Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Colts Cast. My name is Eric Smith, co-host of the Colts Cast. Alongside me, as always, I have co-host Jamal Lawrence here. Yo, yo. We are here to talk about everything and anything Indianapolis Colts. Please be sure to follow us on social media. Yeah, I'm not going to recite it again. Y'all know what our social media page is. Go ahead and drop us a review as well. That's going to help us grow. You can also leave feedback for us to help us improve. But what I really want to get off my chest real quick, Jamal, we post highlight videos all the time. Mm-hmm. The purpose of them are just to post a highlight, to get hype for the season, to see what our players can do. So when I when we posted the Paris Campbell highlight video, you know, I expected like, oh, let's get it. Hope he stays healthy this year. Look at him running down the seam with ease on that route. Instead, there were some haters. Dun, dun, dun. A lot of people are not believing in Paris Campbell. Got comments like, that's when he got injured. Oh, he's going to get injured this year. Oh, he's not going to stay healthy for one season. We already have this on my mind. I was trying to paint a positive picture of Paris Campbell. We want him to succeed. We want him to perform well. We can't be Debbie Downers every single time Paris Campbell's name comes up. Come on, guys. Show some positive energy. But, I mean, the majority liked it, you know, favorited it, uh, retweeted it. But I, I just want to say that, I mean, that... That's the intention of the highlight videos, to point out a highlight. And I wish Paris Campbell nothing but the best. I I want to see him succeed. So, anyway, uh, we have five crucial questions heading into week one. Jamal, I know you're ready to break it down. You already know. You, you, you want to start off the top? With... Yeah, yeah. I'll start number one, yeah. All right, so... First question, what are the expectations for this season and who, if anyone, is on the hot seat? And boy, I I had to think about this one for a little bit. Uh, I think most of it's pretty straightforward on what we expect, but why not go into detail? First thing, to win the division. We have to win the division. No questions. I can do this all day. (sighs) The Titans have... What, three out of the past four years they've won this division? That ain't happening no more. They're botched now. We're this we we're taking back over to AFC South. That ah. has to happen. Ah. Need to be the number one seed. Second off, at least two playoff wins. I'm tired of this. Ooh. I'm tired of this every single year. Wild playoffs? card. <laughs> playoffs? You kidding me? Two wins, baby. Uh, I just I hope keep... we can win a game. Hey, keep it going, Jamal. Keep it going. Hey, oh, since Frank Reich's been here, one playoff win. Since 2018, one playoff win. That ain't no good, bro. If Frank Reich does not manage to pull this out via B playoffs and his division, he's on the hot seat. He's Ooh. on the hot seat. We can't sit here and continue to play this game every single year. Oh, there's next year. Oh, there's next year. Oh, there's next year. Nah. We went out. We got a quarterback with experience. Sometimes a two-year contract. We went out, got his backup, two-year contract. We went out in the draft, stocked up on defense, got a new defensive coordinator, added depth to it, got our player defensive players healthy, went and got a good receiver. 
who we hope is going to be a great receiver for us. Wynn picked up depth throughout there, so there ain't no reason why we're not beating the Titans both games and winning the division as well as getting to the playoffs. I'm not saying a number one spot. I'm not saying number one seed in AFC. You know, I would like to have that bye week, but I'm not going to be unrealistic. But we better win this division, and we better make it out of this wild card division. If not, Frankie Frank, it's going to be that time. You took the words right out of my mouth. I, I had the same thing. Expectations. They're to win AFC South. Like, we have to do that. That's that's going to be the simplest way in making the playoffs. The higher seed, the better. But realistically, if we win the AFC South, I'll be content. From there, so how, how much does home field advantage matter to the Colts? Because we were 4-5 and five for home games last year. So we had four mm-hmm. wins, five losses. So it doesn't seem like it's a big deal. So while home field advantage is nice, is it absolutely necessary? No, I don't think so. Let's let's get to the playoffs and play our best ball to advance. Now, if we want to fuck around and have the best record in the AFC and get What's a first up? round bye, I'm not What's gonna up? be mad about that. I'm not gonna be <laughs> mad about that. Now, granted, both the teams who had a bye in the AFC and NFC last year. They got bounced, I'm pretty sure, in the first game in the divisional round. But I would love to see us have the best record in the AFC. That will put some eyes on us. That will raise some eyebrows like, wow, the Colts really got it this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Frank Wright's just already on the hot seat. He 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 has to make the playoffs this year. If he doesn't. I mean, he's got to be on his way out, and it's it's all on him. He's the CEO of this team, essentially. He runs everything. I mean, that that's how it goes. Starts from mm-hmm. the top. He's going to get all the credit, uh, but he's also going to get all the blame, too. So he's been here since 2018. I want to see us get some Super Bowl contention going. We're in that part where, you know, we have to make a run. We have a lot of veteran players. I mean, we also have a few young players, but I, th- I think like our top-heavy players, they're, they're of that veteran status. We have a veteran quarterback. I mean, in the two or three years, we're going to be looking at somebody new. So I we, we have to make our run this year, next year, one of those two years. Yes, sir. And I don't want to see any of this nonsense like we had last year where we were a 96% favorite to go to the playoffs, or 96% chance to go to the playoffs going into the last three games of the season, and all of a sudden we managed to find a way to not make it. I think that may have been, like, the biggest fluke in modern, like, in, since, since I don't know, I'm, I, I would venture to say probably in the NFL, to have literally, we just had to beat the Raiders or beat the Jaguars, not both, and we found a way to lose to both teams. Yeah, huge flop for the Colts nation. I mean, just last season, that was really bad. I I think we were coming in as like 13-point favorites against the Jags that last game Mm -hmm. and got dismantled. But it'll be really telling by like week six or seven whether we're in good shape to to win the AFC South. We have a lot of divisional games at the very beginning, so Mm -hmm. it's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. Jamal, who is your top breakout candidate for the year? Man, this is a super, super, super tough question. I uh, thought of this for a long time. And the reason why is because I, 
it was hard for me to pick someone on offense. I know we have Pierce. You know, I, I know we have you know, MPJ's going to come back stronger. I know Pierce, Campbell, and all these other guys. But with the preseason we had, where it was just so vanilla, I, 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 I can't say with confidence that one of these people are going to be that breakout guy. So I had to look to the defensive side of the ball. And this is where it got even tougher for me because I think of all these players, I think of a Shaq Leonard who's coming off of a, a, I mean, a career injury. Four years he's been dealing with his injury. How, how does he have a breakout year when he's already doing so well? I mean, he would have to just exceed all expectations. And the same thing I kind of thought with Yannick as well because he's someone who averages eight sacks a game, or excuse me, a season. When you think of a breakout for him, I'm like, man, he would have to have a huge, huge year. So I look at all these guys as kind of a small piece of the puzzle when we have a great defensive group around us where they're each going to have an own little role they play to make the next person better, which brought me to Nick Cross. I think that he's going to be our guy who's going to have that breakout, uh, the breakout year because we, for one, third-round pick, we, had to, we, we went fit. Well, we picked Pierce over him. We picked Raymond over him. Then we went to Nick Cross. And this dude has just balled out all preseason for us. He showed that he can come in and and play with the vets. I mean, Rodney McLeod, we brought him in from the Eagles to be that vet safety. And I know he did a little bit of injury, you know, um, at the end of the season and throughout the throughout the offseason. But Nick Cross stepped in and said, This is this is my this is my land. You gotta come take it from me. And that's what I want to see because Everybody else is going to play a role. Yannick getting no sacks is going to allow pressure uh, for the quarterback to throw a bad ball. Nick Cross is going to be there. Um, Darius getting fumbles. Nick Cross being speedy over the field gives him a chance to get to the ball and get there, be a playmaker. So I, I like what a lot of our vets do, and I like like the Kenny Moores and all these guys. But I think for them to have a breakout year based off of what they've done, I mean, they would just be firing on all cylinders, which I hope, I hope so. But I think Nick Cross is going to be that guy to come out and and show us that he's here. He's here to be in the league as a rookie. Twenty, I think, I think he just turned twenty-one. He may not have been twenty-one yet, and ready to come out on the field and be a dog. So that's my that's my breakout. How about you? So I agree with your assessment at the very beginning because what I think of a breakout player is someone that plays surprisingly well. They play above expectations. So. I don't know how you did this, but you are just speaking for me because I pick Nick Cross. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> We're supposed to pick different players. <laughs> I, I have to go with my man Nick Cross as well. Third round pick out of Maryland. Chris Ballard traded up for. You know, the assumption wasn't for Nick Cross to start. We Y'all remember Kyrie Willis. Like, we had him. Like, he decided to pursue another journey other than the NFL. It was going to be Blackman and Willis, uh, assuming we only had two safeties in, in most formations. And then, boom, he retires. Kyrie Willis is gone. So then that started the position battle with Rodney McLeod in training camp that Nick Cross ultimately wins out and becomes the starting strong safety as a rookie. Now we get this talented safety who's a great tackler. I can deliver big hits in open space. He can generate big plays. We've seen it. We've seen it in preseason games with his ball skills and explosiveness. I love it. He's exceeded all my expectations all throughout training camp, and I'm ready to watch him give our secondary the boost it needs. 
he's going to be he he's going to be an immediate impact player, I believe. So it, it it's it's only a matter of time where I'm tracking my delivery for my Nick Cross jersey. Hey, it's all like to hear. <laughs> Haven't ordered it yet, but it I'm I'm still I'm not going to lie. I'm stuck between Nick Cross and Michael Pittman Jr. So it next week or so I'll decide. I'll decide. I like that, bro. All right, moving on to number three. The wide receiver and tight end group is very young and unproven. After witnessing training camp and preseason action, Eric, should we be concerned? Look, Colts Nation, are you absolutely satisfied with our receivers and tight ends coming out of preseason? If you said yes, I would like to follow up and ask how. Look, I I am cautiously optimistic about our group because I I haven't seen enough. I just don't know how you have zero concerns about a squad with like an average age of 23 for the receivers. Tight ends, it's probably a little higher because Mo Ali Cox is like 28. But, you know, maybe if Alec Pierce would have dominated preseason or Paris Campbell had some nice catches in those games... Or even if Mo Ali Cox stepped up in his limited snaps, maybe I'd feel more confident. Problem is, we just haven't seen that, and I don't think we'll get that full evaluation until the first matchup against the Texans week one. Should be a softer matchup, but if we see flying colors there, if we see numbers like Alec Pierce wants to drop 100 yards, I'm just saying if he wanted to, like that would invigorate me to believe that we might have next up our wide receiver group isn't as bad as the general consensus thinking is. So things like that. Also switching QBs every year probably isn't helping either. So really I'm, I'm just cautiously optimistic. I, I, I hope for the best, but right now I, I can't put full confidence in it. Yep. I agree 110% with that. I, I can't add anything more to that except for statistics to prove exactly what you just said. So over the course of the preseason, stats very bad overall for wide receivers and tight ends from the starting bunch. Pittman, five receptions, 59 yards, no touchdowns. Pierce, three receptions, 36 yards, no touchdowns. Granson, five receptions, 53 yards, no touchdowns. Jelani, three receptions, 34 yards, that one touchdown he caught from Sam. So he was with the second group, or I should say third group. Doolin, one reception, six yards, zero touchdowns. Campbell, Nothing. Nada. Nothing. So, yes, Eric, it's very hard to sit here with a straight face and say, uh, yeah, we shouldn't be worried about anything in the receiver or the tight end group because they have not. And I understand it was a very vanilla preseason, yada, yada, yada. Frank Wright didn't want to show too much. But like you said, when we have switched quarterbacks every every year for the past, uh, every year Frank Wright's tenure, I mean, what, we had Luck, then we had Jacoby, we had Phillip, we've had Carson, now Matt. So you're right. It, it went with with Reich having all these quarterbacks over his career and as him as a previous quarterback himself when he was in the league, I would like I would have liked to see to build confidence in everybody to see this firing from day one. So I am definitely worried. Uh next week will tell will be the first telltale sign for us. So yeah. I'll play devil's advocate and say the stats you listed were in a limited number of drives. Mm-hmm. So 
That's fair. Like, I'm not going to hate on Colin Granson for getting five catches. And, I mean, he had five receptions and probably, well, Colin Granson might have played a little bit more, but, like, yeah, he did have uh, Kyle, his five receptions for 53 he, yards, so I, I definitely you know give him credit because he was out there, and he was actually catching good balls that were coming towards him. Uh, but like you said, when we just look at the Pierce and, and Pittman and these guys who weren't on the field that often because it was limited, uh, well, I don't even think they played really any on game two. They only played games one and three, so I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that because they had these eight combined catches between Pittman and Pierce that we should be worried, but... I definitely think it's something where next week will be the tale to see if they at least have seven, eight targets towards them a piece. And then they have, you know, five, six catches. I, I would just like to see something like that. Absolutely. Jamal, where are we at with Quinn Nelson's contract extension? So as of right now, nothing has, uh, no new contract has been processed. Nothing's been signed. So uh did see that we are going to exercise his fifth year option which would bump him up six milli to from seven point eight to thirteen point eight million for the twenty twenty two season. So he's getting something there, you know, just to kind of start everything off for us. Ursay's, you know, said that there's been no new contract made yet, and he's not really worried about it at this time. I, I know that Ursay will definitely be ready to give him the money when the time is right. But I was also reading that you know we could also franchise tag him, taking that's for the people who don't know, it's where we take an average of the five highest players and we pay that amount to to that player in a one-year deal so we could definitely utilize that franchise tag for him if we need to I personally have to think that we'll get the job done before then but it is nice to know that that is an option for us because I don't see Ursay not making sure that Quentin Nelson is taken care of that's one thing that I will say I'd never really noticed with the Colts organization is these con are these contract um these big contract problems, kind of like the Zeke Elliott's and the in the in Jerry Jones, where players are holding out, etc. You don't really see that. Kenny Moore is our biggest our biggest news over the off season, and like we said, I mean, I, I think that's more so uh, him letting them know that hey, we we gonna talk money later on. So Jim Mercer does a really good job of keeping everybody happy. We'll be back after a quick break. If if you look really well at the revenues of the different clubs and so on, like AC Milan uh, has had uh, a kind of dark time of uh, around yeah. the decade, right? You know, we we kind of uh, fifteen years ago we were leveled with Man United in terms of revenues, uh-huh. uh, Madrid and Barca, right? Sure. Like they've all taken off, they've all really developed commercially. AC Milan kind of stayed pretty much flat in terms of revenues until like three years ago, the new kind of leadership team came on board and started looking at things in a, in a, in a different way. So we also acknowledge, you know, we, we, we have a lot to do, uh, a lot. Yeah, they're definitely gonna, I mean, that was, I think back in April when they exercised his option. So they, of course they were going to do that. We're not, <laughs> we want Quentin Nelson. Uh, but Jim Mercer, I mean, he said the contract extension was getting done in mid-August. Chris Ballard, he stated at the end of August, he's special to us, and hopefully we get that worked out. Yet nothing's come about because Quinn Nelson's been very silent on it, too. He's been airtight on the contract talks. He hasn't taken any questions or spoken up about it. So I don't know. I'm hoping something does get done. I I still believe that Quinn Nelson is going to sign the biggest contract in NFL history for a guard. 
He's already established himself as one of the best players in the NFL, regardless of position. He was number 28 on NFL's top 100 players on a bad ankle. He's been first-team All-Pro in three seasons and second-team All-Pro in one season. That's He's only been in the league for four years. He's four for four. Eaten. He can literally do this all I can day. Do this all day. <laughs> Yo, we can't just let one of the best offensive linemen in the game walk in free agency come next year. The question really is, I think, is how much is he going to get? So Brandon Scherf, sixteen point five million a year. Zach Martin, another great mm-hmm. guard, fourteen million a year. But he's on a six-year contract. Joel Batonio and Joe Tooney, they're at sixteen million a year. So. You know, top of the guard market's at sixteen and a half million right now. So he's easily gonna beat that and become the highest paid guard. How much though? I think he will command at least nineteen to twenty million a year. I, I think that's what we're if if the Colts wanna pay him, I think that's what's he he's gonna want that. He's definitely gonna want the recognition as being the highest paid guard in, in the NFL, but I think nineteen to twenty million a year because I think guards are becoming uh, we we always say the the tackle position is more important than the guard, but I don't know. I think the guard's becoming more relevant. I don't know how you feel about that, Jamal, but I I I do believe that. I I agree. I do think the guard is definitely becoming way more relevant because those guys are so versatile. And I mean, it's just it's just a uh, because you got these you have these Aaron Donalds coming in the league now who and I know he's such an anomaly but of a beast, but even DeForce these these big guys are just as strong as D tackles and nose uh nose tackles or nose guards now that you have to have a strong guard to help to be there to block. So I definitely think their stock is going up a whole lot because as these interior defensive linemen get better, the guards have to get better as well. So I I, I fully agree with what you said. Yeah, you got Grady Jarrett coming down the line or Chris Jones, Cameron Hayward, like he said, DeForest Buckner and Aaron Donald. I mean that there's a lot of good tackles coming at you and Guards definitely need to be there. All right. You ready for the last question? Yeah, let's get it. Will Rodrigo Blankenship improve this season, and how much does a kicker's performance affect our win-loss record? Mm. So this one is tough because I the pressure's off him now. The Verity is out of the picture. No more Verity. The pressure is completely off of him. So I I hope that he does improve, but I can easily see why he would be complacent and go back to being his normal self because you had to get out there and prove why you were the guy for the job, as we mentioned. Very, to my opinion, Verity lost the job more more so than Blankenship winning the job. So I think that he will kind of go back to being complacent and do his thing. Um, I mean, he, he proved he deserves the job because he went out week after week and hit the most kicks and was the most consistent, but it's just, it's just hard because kickers performance, they affect us so much. They affect us so much. And I know he was out last year with the injury. So he only played five games, but you know, during the five games, he went 11 of 14 from field goals, uh, over, over one for the 50 plus yarders, which I know that's the biggest thing we always talk about because that the, his leg strength is not the highest. His, his longest he made last season, in those five games, whereas a 48-yarder. And then, of course, extra points. He only missed one, so I'll give him that uh, seven of eight. But in 2020, we longest field goal was 53 yards, went one of three from the 50-plus. 
and then he hit 43 out of 45 extra points. So overall field goal percentage in 2020, 86.5, 2021, 78.6. I don't know how the rest of the year would have played out for him had he continued to be there in all of last year without the injury. But it affects our win-loss record because I – and I know I always go back to this because in 20 in, – uh, 2019, Adam Vinatieri's last year before he retired was one of his worst years ever, and it showed on the field. I mean, essentially, we we look at we look at our record or our games during that time. We lost three games for sure due to kicking from him, and I, honestly, I'll venture to say we probably lost a fourth as well um, when we played against the the uh, L.A. the Chargers. We lost that game 30 to 24. Oakland 31 to 24. Pittsburgh 26 to 24 Tennessee game was 31 to 17 um, but I, I bring those up because when I look at that the Chargers game where it was 30 to 24 field goals we went one for three extra points one for two so I mean we left six seven points on the field right there that would have been a 31 to 30 win the Oakland game where it was 31 to 24 missed one field goal there so that would have been 27 to 31 you call it what you want possibly could have won that game but the Pittsburgh game one of two from extra points one of two from the field goal so we left five points or excuse me four points on the field right there and we lost by two um, and then like I said the the other big one was the Tennessee game where he went one of four so we left nine points on the field right there and we lost 31 to 17 and I'm not going to sit here and say that that if we if we scored those nine extra points, we would have won. However, 26 to 31 is a whole lot closer than 31 to 17. So I do think that plays a big role because that year uh, was was a terrible year for us. We, we did really bad. And and I know we can look down a list of history books of other kickers from other teams and see kind of when they had bad seasons and how it affected them. We just don't want to be in a situation where, A, we're having to go for these 50-plus yard field goals because although he has hit them, in the preseason and at practice, etc., we have yet to see when these happen in a live game. And I don't know that his confidence is all the way there, um, that he can go out and hit a 50-plus yarder. I don't want us to be in a situation where we are going for 50 yarders, but this is the NFL, and this is a realistic thing. And again, until we can see that we're proven on the offensive side of the ball, I like to venture to say that we're probably going to be trying some 50 yarders. So if we're inside the 50 cool 40 49 to 40 yards we're, we're pretty solid so I think that he has to come in with a full steam of head and continue to kick like he was when he had someone on his back shoulder tapping him saying hey I'm coming for your spot and if he does that I definitely think that it will help out our record a whole lot because we are going to be in situations where it's going to be a close game where it's going to come down to the final kick or a botched extra point you know, field goal range is like the 35-yard line. So that's a 52-yarder. That's what they say. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he in field goal range. So he needs to be able to hit those low 50-yarders. But it absolutely affects our win-loss record. I mean, rewind it back to last year. Let's go to the Colts versus Ravens game. Notorious game mm-hmm. <laughs> last year. He missed a game-winning field goal with four seconds left. 47-yarder. Went wide left, uh, enter overtime where Lamar Jackson, where the Ravens also win the coin toss. They receive the ball. Lamar Jackson leads the offense down the field. 
from their 32 to seal the game. So imagine if we would have won that game. We'd, we'd be talking about something else because we'd be in the playoffs, could have made a run, yada, yada. But I know you guys, I, I, I know some fans are going to know that he was not right that game. They say he was injured that game. So let's play the glass half full. Let's just omit that game. Blankenship was 9 for 10 coming into that game, including 4 for 4 on 40-yard field goals, and didn't miss an extra point attempt until the Baltimore game. Small sample size. Um, you know, he only played Jamal Youssef five games. So four games before that Baltimore game, he was on IR the rest of the year. <sighs> so we have a 90% field goal kicker who was perfect on extra point attempts in that small sample size. Glass half full. I I I like. I don't know. I I, I like it, Jamal. That that's the kicker I want. A ninety percent field Absolutely. goal kicker. Assuming he's healthy, I think we see Blankenship have a better year this year. He dominated Jake Verity in training camp, so let's be hopeful that that dominance continues into the regular season. But I mean, I could be all wrong. But I I don't know. It if that hip's all good, why not? Agreed. Let's let's hope. Let's hope that you're not wrong. And I hope I'll draw in everything I said, too. I want him to come out there with the full steam ahead and win this thing, man. We need him. We need him. So. Well, that's going to be it, everybody. I want to thank everyone for tuning into the Colts cast. Go ahead and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any platform you use to listen to podcasts. We will be back on Friday to give you some more Indianapolis Colts content. Y'all take care. Later. Later.